It's 9.30. It's Monday, and it's time for Food Talk. I'm Marianne Myers, and I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Linda Perkins. Good morning. morning. Good morning, Marianne. I got my apron on. You do. We are in the studio together. I can see that you have your apron on. It's no longer, uh, you know... uh, you don't have to take me at my word. <laughs> it's not an honors program. <laughs> I'm very happy to be uh, socially distancing, but in the same room with you. So, Very nice to see you. Very nice to see you, too. And uh, very nice to see all of you on the other end of the radio. All seven of you. <laughs> Thank you for being there. Hey, we are in between. Um, we're in the holiday intensive season. Yes. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Food-wise, too, especially. So um, are you exhausted yet? Well, um, yeah. (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) But, um, uh, yeah, and uh, Dale brought the um, electricity bill out yesterday pointing to the number, (laughs) which isn't something he ever does. But he's like, you've been baking a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. What have you been making? Well, um, I've been cooking a lot, and normally, I, by the time I meet you, I can't remember what I fixed for dinner last night. I, know, I mean, seriously, I know, I know. it's like I—it's <laughs> just become this thing, this never-ending thing. Yeah. Uh, but I have tried new things since I saw you last, oh, yeah? and I have some winners. I think that I mean things that I will absolutely make again, okay. which isn't always the case when you try a new recipe. <laughs> But um, I found a recipe for a chicken. Uh, have you done chicken 40 cloves of garlic before? Yeah, that's your, your rec- the way you make it, right? You gave me your recipe. Yeah, it, yeah. which is actually Ina Garten's recipe, yeah, yeah. or maybe I tweaked it. I mean, I'm always yeah. tweaking something, not, not because I think I can do a better job, but because I don't have an ingredient, mm-hmm. or I do have an ingredient I want to use up. So yeah. um, that's what happened with this particular chicken recipe, which is very similar to that, but... Um, it was just really good, and it has, uh, I think, here's the reason it was really good. <laughs> I used bone-in skin on uh, chicken thighs, but you could do anything. Oh, instead of a whole chicken. Yeah, yeah. they wanted you to cut up a whole chicken. Okay. Uh, but I I don't need to do that. There's two of us. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So, um, so I did four uh, bone-in ch- skin on thighs and brown them really nicely and then um the sauce has and and i added mushrooms because i think if you're going to make really good gravy Mm -hmm. which i it needs mushroom yeah yeah Yeah. and i know it's a sauce but it seems like gravy all sauces (laughs) seem like gravy to me (laughs) for some reason the word gravy makes me love them more um and I think the reason it's so good is because it has cognac and Madeira in it. Okay. <laughs> and it has cream and creme fraiche. <laughs> it's, it's a diet recipe. <laughs> just doubled up. <laughs> it has tarragon and savory and parsley and chicken stock, and it just makes a really, oh, my gosh, it's really yummy. I, and I, I, I apologetically, as I set a plate in front of Tom, I said, it's really rich, and he and so you know, <laughs> I said with an apologetic tone in my voice, and he was like, "No, it's really good. It is really <laughs> yeah. good." There's there's so few things that you get to use savory with. Yeah. You know? Do you grow it? No, but I remember um, 
being at the Beaverton Farmers Market, and there was a farmer there who did a lot of who had a lot of savory, and I mean he just sold tons of it because he had it with green beans, Ooh. and it's just good. It's just it's a good herb, but we forget about it, you know. Yeah, and I don't have any growing, but. It, it, to me, it's kind of like parsley and a, a lot of other things where you could just use it. In anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in anything. Yeah. So, um, or, but, you, or you could leave it out. I mean, it's not, yeah. the absence of it is not going to ruin whatever it is you're going to make. But that's, it d- that's funny that you said that because I made some um, split pea with ham soup, you know. And it's really the only thing that I absolutely use marjoram in. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I just don't use a lot of marjoram. It's kind of like savory or... Um, of course, now I can't think of anything else. But, but just those things that you use once a year. Uh huh. You know, do you do you make anything with marjoram regularly? I use marjoram more. Uh, I, I dried. Mm-hmm. Not. I don't have any fresh. No, me either. But um, I use marjoram in a lot of things like salad dressings, and oh, I mean, I put I'd a never pinch have. in there. Okay. I'll put a pinch in an omelet. I don't know. Okay. The other thing is, I gotta use I'm, it more. I like it. Yeah, and if we don't. You know, if you have a if you have a bottle of spice and you don't use it, then pretty soon you're not, yeah. you need to get rid of it. Yeah. So I'm. It's just dandruff. I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You got to brush it off and get on with it. So I try to use things up in a timely manner. But when you do not buy spices in bulk, if mm-hmm. you buy them by the bottle or the jar, you. That's a ridiculous amount of spice to mm-hmm. give you and expect you to use it in six months. It's, mm-hmm. it, well, it's still really fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I guess I could put them all in the freezer or something. and they I keep don't know them if that forever. would help because I know like like if you freeze parsley when it's fresh or cilantro, they just turn to nothing. You yeah. Know? So I, I don't know. know if that would help. I don't know either. And and Yeah. I don't have freezer space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have multiple freezers. This is the, the spice section of my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need a, I need a spice then, freezer. And then they haul you away. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I also made fish cakes. Oh, no. Which I haven't made for a gajillion years, and yeah. I don't know why, but I was uh, cleaning out the freezer, mm-hmm. and I found uh, some rockfish fillet and some black cod fillet, and I just thawed them both out and made, put them together and made fish cakes. And the one recipe that I stumbled across was really standard, you know, with celery and onion and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But... Uh, one thing that they did that I'd never done before was brush the outsides of the chilled cakes after you make them and chill them with mayonnaise. Oh, and I've heard of people doing that. it made a really nice, like using mayonnaise on the outside of your grilled cheese. Yeah. Uh, it makes a really nice crust. It, they were great. So I've got a friend at um, Cash and Carry, United Grocers, Smart Food Stores. You know, it has all those names, Chef's yeah. Store. Oh, it changes every 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Russ, <laughs> and he makes his prime rib with mayonnaise on the outside. Really? And and he's a good cook. I mean, he knows what he's doing, you know. It's not his first rodeo. And I'd never heard of doing that, but that's how he makes it. That's probably good advice. It's good for everything. It's right in there in use like that. It's right in there with olive oil and But it's such butter. an old-timey thing to do. Yeah, Remember, I know. I mean, my grandma used to make fried chicken where she put mayonnaise on it and then roll it in cornflakes, you know. I mean, it's just <laughs> such a, like, World War II thing to yeah, do, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess the the only other thing I've made recently that I really liked was cauliflower steaks. 
Oh, I saw a recipe for them yesterday. I think they're really, really getting popular. They're really good. Yeah. And I don't think about it. I tend to do the same old thing with the same three things with cauliflower. Uh, and I haven't done steaks for a long time, but I just made a rub with uh, coriander, fennel, cumin, and turmeric and just, you know, it sauteed sounds... them on the grill until they were really crispy on the outside and squeezed some lime over them. And it w they were good. It sounds really good and it sounds pretty with the turmeric. They're, and it's pretty just in the shape of it, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like you've sauteed a flower kind of. Oh, or uh, part of a brain. <laughs> yeah, or that. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> what about you? Well, I made some cookies. Yeah, did you? I'm yeah. so shocked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they were good. Do you know who um, Claire Sappitz is? Yeah. Yeah, I really like her. Like, I think she's going to become like the next Ina Garten because she really takes care. She really knows what she's doing. She really tests her recipe. She's not all about the hype. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I really, she's fabulous. And I'm, she's the dessert person. Yes, yeah, so yeah. she has a book, The Dessert Person. And um, if you don't know who she is, maybe you've seen her. She used to um, do videos for Bon Appetit and she has that gray streak in her hair and she always has an apron on which I respect <laughs> <laughs> but um, she has a recipe for oatmeal cookies they're called oatmeal pecan brittle cookies Ooh. yeah so she um, really likes them and she says you know um, in her book that it's gonna take a few dishes you know because you have to use your mixer and a food processor I don't have a problem with that and the cookies turned out really good but my god the dishes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oh, she That's a deal breaker. Pretty much lied. Oh, I know. Because, okay, first thing you do is you toast the pecan. So you need a pan for that, right? And then yeah. you make pecan brittle. So oh. you need a, a, a pot on the stove to make it, and then you need a pan to spread it out on. Right. I mean, if you're thinking ahead, you can use your pecan pan, or if you're not like some people I know. <laughs> and then, so you make your brittle, and you spread it out, and you cool it, and then you have to chop it on a chopping board, and that chopping board's all full of candy, so you got to wash that. And then you have to brown the butter. So then oh. that's a pot on the stove, and then you don't use it immediately and it's really really hot so then she says just leave it but I know if I just leave it it burns you know and so I have to put it in a bowl to cool so then that's in a bowl and then you take your oats and you grind it in a food processor with the flour and the brittle and then um, you use your mixer to mix the dough and then you have to hydrate it overnight you have to scoop it uh. into individual cookies on a pan oh. and then put it in the fridge and then put you know put a lid on it so there's those dishes and then there's the dishes that you bake them i mean it's a mountain of dishes <laughs> but i have to say they are really delicious cookies and kind of like emma emma's potatoes you know english yes. english potatoes yes i mean they're really worth it but man you just you got to have your your soap dispenser and your sink full up <laughs> like seriously because it's all pots and pans and and they're really really good they're um she makes them big like a quarter cup you know a two ounce scoop so they're big cookies and they're soft and kind of crunchy on the outside though and they're um they're they're really really delicious they are a very very good cookie perfect for an ice cream sandwich oh so yeah like 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 if it was summer and and if the pandemic was over and you were going to have some people over, like maybe like the Pope or the Queen of England. They would be the perfect cookie to make ice cream sandwiches with and serve them. Oh, my God. So basically, we don't have to ever make them again because none of that stuff's going to happen. It, well, I mean, you really got to be like amped up for it to 
the amount of cleanup and you have to have done nothing before that so the kitchen's totally clean so you got room to put everything you know that you're going to use <laughs> i'm not qualified to make these cookies but you could send me a couple of them next time you make them <laughs> you could just pretend you're a restaurant and hire a dishwasher oh you're yeah. sure it's full time i'm gonna make cookies <laughs> oh, God. they were really delicious though i mean if you're it's winter if you're up for a project yeah. it's worth making so it's claire saffitz and it's oatmeal pecan brittle cookies and i think claire's it. name is f-a-s-a-f F-I-T-Z, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So what about uh, Christmas holiday specifically, food-wise, for you? Well, I I am always kind of psyched this time of year because um, they have rack of pork available. It's not something that you can just, you know, get off the shelf any other time of year except, you know, Easter. And, and I really like it. So it looks like a prime rib, but it's much smaller. And, um, and it has the bones, so it's, you don't twirl it around like fancy, like in a restaurant or anything, but I just grill it on the grill. So I put a bunch of herbs on the outside. I, I oil the outside, put herbs, salt and pepper, and then, um, um, grill it. So I, I start the grill high and I, I sear it so I get good grill marks. And then I, I cook it really low and slow, like I would a rack of ribs. And it turns out really good. I take it to about 154 degrees in the, in the center. And um, I love it. I, I think it's just great. Do you do a rub or any kind of a anything? Just a, a lot of fresh herbs. Yeah. And then I generally make a paste of fresh herbs too. Um, the, the predominant one being basil. And then um, basil, garlic. What do I use? Thyme. Just a little bit of rosemary. And then um, so I, I put oil on the outside of it. And then I put a bunch of fresh herbs and then a lot of salt and pepper. And then a couple times in the low and slow cooking process, I'll, I'll baste it with that paste that I make after I, I get the initial stuff on there. Yum. And um, yeah, I really like it. I think it's delicious. So I, I make it once a year. And I'm not making it for Christmas. I'm actually making it tonight. <laughs> but um, Why wait? Yeah, yeah. But it's just this time of year that it shows up, and I'm always really happy when it does. Good. Yeah, I haven't really thought about... I don't guess we think uh, at my house we don't think about Christmas Day as a specific food thing. I mean, where we always have something mm -hmm. on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Um I actually think about it more in terms of breakfast or brunchy. You know, it is it is probably the most important breakfast day that we have in the year, yeah. you know? When I was growing up, that's what we always did. I mean, I, you know, when you have kids in the house, mm -hmm. you're often up really early. <laughs> and then after the insanity subsides a little bit, you have a meal. And yeah. so it might be mid to late morning. And um, that's the time that I think about what am I going to cook on Christmas mm -hmm. Day? So, do you have a plan? No, not really, but no. probably omelets. Okay. I, I like making omelets, and um, it's a good excuse to use up whatever needs to be used yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of good um, breakfast strata recipes out there. Oh, I love just, just strata. I do too. And I, I really, Christmas is really the only time that that you know. Yeah. That I have it, it seems. Yeah. yeah. So, And you can make it small. You yeah. know, I, if I make it in a brownie pan, then I can slice it and fry it up the next morning with something else for breakfast. So yeah. um, it it's kind of doing double duty. I love strata. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think of it any other time than a holiday. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. I don't think about it very much at all either. <laughs> But I love it, and it's really a good way to use up uh, bread that's a little bit past mm -hmm. the prime. 
In fact, if you're going to make strata and you don't have day-old bread, you might want to lay some out on the counter the night before, mm -hmm. let it dry out a little bit. But it's basically uh, breakfast lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast bread pudding. Yeah. Kind of a combination of the two. Fabulous. I want to remind everybody or inform everybody, if you're new to Food Talk, that Food Talk is a co-production of KMUN and North Coast Food Web. I'm pretty excited about the new Astoria Food Hub. I haven't been there, have you? I just went through the other day. And I heard it's fabulous. It's really, really, really wonderful. And it is a temple to local food. It will be really the uh, place to go to find out a lot about at find out and obtain things from very, very, very local producers. So, so you go in and what do you see? Well, the uh, for those of you who don't know, the Food Hub is uh, going to be located in the old Sears building downtown in Astoria. And if you have been in the old Sears building, you know that when you went in the front door, there were all of the mowing lawnmowers, the riding lawnmowers, <laughs> <laughs> and the rototillers and stuff on the main floor. And then you go up a few steps, and that's where all the washers and dryers and stoves were. What they've done in that building, which is a historic building, is just beautiful. And so um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. It's all still under construction. Okay. And I know that the North Coast Food Web is going to be moving in in February. And they're, I'm more, most familiar with their space, but their space is uh, offices, of course, for staff and a beautiful teaching kitchen. We've always had a teaching kitchen, but it has been um, limited by the space that mm -hmm. we have. And this is a space we got to design. <laughs> I remember so. being there once and somebody was looking for a space to set something because the, the teaching kitchen at the old food web is small. And so they had a paper bag, so they put it on the stove, but it's a oh gas stove God. and it just went up in flames. And so I just sat there like, well, guess I'm going to die. And then Russ like ran over and put it out and got everything, yes. you know, kept the sprinkler system from coming on. And I mean, it was really something he just like Russ Farmer who should yeah. have a cape. <laughs> yeah, he should. <laughs> to, to use to put out the fires yeah, really. so it'll be nice to have space to set things so yes. people don't try to burn the place down <laughs> yes i was thinking so much of irma rombauer when i toured the new teaching kitchen space because irma rombauer uh, was the original author of uh uh joy of cooking, joy of cooking. Yeah. and then her daughter i mean it's a generational project but um one of the pro problems at the old teaching kitchen was that you had to turn your back on the class to cook. The stove oh, yeah. was back yeah. against the wall, and all of the prep tables and works workstations were behind you, and so people would come over and crowd around the stove. And now it is set up so that the the stove is facing the classroom so that you That's can— great. Yeah, everybody can see what's going on, and everybody can come up close and work. Yeah. Um, and it made me think of Irma, whose uh, title of her, her advice on her first book she wrote was Stand Facing the Stove. <laughs> I think it's really good advice. If you're just starting to cook, that's probably the first thing you want to know. Breathe in, breathe out. First your socks, then your shoes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wonder about uh, things that are seasonal this time of year. What are you doing? Are you doing anything with cranberries? 
Um, I love cranberry sauce. Yeah. I mean, I've made so much cranberry sauce. I, I do every year. I think it's just delicious. Um, every year, I think I'm going to put it in a cranberry blackberry pie, and I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to make one for Christmas because I had one once that somebody made, and it was it was so good. Yeah. And um, let's see. Prime rib is seasonal. <laughs> that's true. We talked about that, but that's what we're going to have for Christmas this year. We have it about every other year. I make it the way that Ina Garten does. Which where is? She, she, um, no, it's not. It's Paula Deen. It's really oh. the only Paula Deen recipe I think I use, except for maybe one more. So she um, uh, turns her oven on and heats it up real good to 375. And then um, she has her prime rib, and it doesn't matter how big it is. So you um, uh, brush it with oil and then... Uh, seasoning salt of your choice. I use Montreal steak seasoning, and you put a lot. I put a lot on. I put as much as it as will adhere, and then you um, have it in a roaster pan on a rack. You stick it in the oven for an hour, with the um, fat side up, and then you turn your oven off for three hours and leave it, and then you turn your oven on for about forty minutes, and that gives you medium rare. And you turn it back on to, to three, 375. Okay. And you count from when you turn it on, not from when it's heated up to 375. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and um, it's a really unusual recipe, but it works for any size roast. I've done it with a two-bone roast. I did it with a seven-bone roast that didn't even fit in the pan. I mean, um, it really, really works with any size roast. And um, I've done experiments with the recipe where I use a thermometer, a probe thermometer. And what happens is when you have a bigger roast, at the end of the three hours, the oven is hotter than it is with a small roast. Oh, right. So, and that's that's difference in how fast the oven cools off is what determines um, how you know it ends up the same temperature when it when it's done, even though one's bigger and um, smaller. It it works really well. It's science. So yeah, it's Paula Dean <laughs> science. <laughs> but if you're looking for a, a, a way to cook that and you haven't cooked one before, that will make it turn out. It's it, it's um, foolproof. Wow. It seems, it doesn't it just seem counterintuitive? Yeah, and it just seems like it wouldn't work, but it has never not worked. Don't <laughs> write your letters. I know it's a double negative. <laughs> <laughs> the seven of you and all the postage you use. <laughs> wow, somebody needs to be using postage. When was the last time you put a stamp on an yeah. envelope? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not investing in an envelope company anytime soon. No, oh, no, my gosh. No, no. Yeah. So are you going to have chicken for Christmas? I don't know. Okay. I don't even know. We could be maybe having veggie burgers. I don't even know. I haven't thought about it. You know what I haven't made for a really long time? You're talking about breakfast. I haven't made waffles in years. I don't even have a waffle iron, but I was thinking recently that I should make some French toast or something like that. I make French toast, uh, you know, a, a decent amount of time, but waffles. And Dale loves waffles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you know what happened to us? Gosh, we don't. No, I'm speaking for all of us. We don't know what happened to you. I'm so sorry. I don't even know why I thought of this because I said the word Dale. We woke up a couple days ago and our blankets were upside down like the sheets were on top and the blankets were underneath. What? And we have no idea how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that pretty much has set the tone for the week. <laughs> Oh, it's otherworldly. I know that's not food related, but anyway, I was afraid to cook anything complicated afterwards because it seemed like, and then it was so funny because a couple hours later, Dale came out of the bedroom and he was all like, his brow was all furrowed. He was really determined and he had a load full of, of bedding and, and that's not something he normally has, you know. It's like he was going to teach it a lesson. He was going to wash it. <laughs> 
That is kind of unnerving. We have no idea how it happened. The covers were completely upside down. The weirdest thing. Sheet on top, blankets underneath. So weird. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Dale, <laughs> who has magic bedding, <laughs> really likes waffles. And I mean, I have a waffle I iron. I love waffles. Yeah. And I know that they're really good if you mix the eggs in separate. Like if you whip right. up the egg whites and yeah. then, you know, mix those in separate, fold them in at the end. But I need to make those. And it's another thing. It's just so much cleanup, you know. I know. I need I, to get over that hurdle. I don't know why I think I'm special and I should only have to wash one dish when I make something. <laughs> well, I, I think it over. And if it doesn't go in the dishwasher, I really <laughs> evaluate whether or not I'm willing to go there. <laughs> I know. And you can't put the whole, the whole griddle in the, in the dishwasher. I can. Mine fits. <laughs> The no. the flat top section on my stovetop fits in the dishwasher. Oh, seriously, you're so I'm lucky. I'm so happy. Uh, that was just a lucky accident, but I have learned now that if I ever buy a new stove for any reason, I will measure <laughs> because I'm happy about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh, When I make pancakes, which I very rarely do, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, I have a frog, um, I always whip. I always separate the eggs oh, okay. and beat the whites and fold okay. them in because it makes really fluffy. Fluffy, yeah. Yeah. For sure with, with the waffles, it's the thing to do. Yeah. Have you ever done sourdough? Um. Be, uh, okay, so my um, neighbor, Georgia, she does have a real good sourdough pancake recipe. So, yes, but because I am not particularly fond of the flavor of sourdough, uh, and I know that I am in the minority. I don't know that you are. No, for sure. Because everybody always looks at me like, Rant. can you imagine that Rant, when I say that? <laughs> because everybody loves sourdough, but I just I just don't. And so um, um, I, I've only made it a couple times, but it's a good recipe. Well, you have a, you have a note from home that says you don't have to make sourdough starter because you don't even <laughs> yeah. like it. So yay, permission. <laughs> well, I just never trust it because it always turns gray, you know, in the yeah. fridge. And yeah. and I just know that that's because of bacteria and that freaks me out a little bit. I know that it's okay. I know you're going to bake it at some really high temperature, but it just uh, freaks me out a little bit. And I like the flavor of yeast a lot better than I like the flavor of bacteria. <laughs> I just do. I mean, yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. I like them both to, yeah, to, yeah. to a debilitating <laughs> degree, <laughs> but I don't want to, uh, I'm really good at houseplants, but I'm not good at keeping starter alive. Yeah, so. yeah. Every, um, um, there's that recipe for that Amish friendship bread where you make a ridiculous amount of starter and then you spread it amongst your 10 closest friends and then they have a ridiculous amount of starter and they have to spread it amongst 100 people. I mean, it's like a bread pyramid scheme. It's not nice. <laughs> no. It's not nice. Don't believe anybody that tells you that's nice. And when somebody like heaves it on you and you're just like, ah, because you can't throw it away. Because it's alive. Yeah. So you feel, yeah. uh, you know, I have this, I feel responsible for it like I do for for my pets and my plants and actually my husband. So yeah. um, I don't need anything that requires me to feed it and care for it. Yes. Take it out once in a while and talk yeah. to it. I don't know. No. I, there are places in this uh, town where you can get perfectly fabulous sourdough bread if that's what you want. So yeah. true. <laughs> anyway, um, we are coming very close to the top of the hour and uh, we know for a fact that right after news headlines is um, uh, Lost Highways with John Stevenson. He's our favorite. He is our favorite. Not just because we're neighbors on the radio. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, I wonder about last thoughts of going into the holidays because there are other holidays. I mean, we know that New Year's. Uh, yes, and um, so Kwanzaa's coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some really good uh, recipes for that on um, New York Times cooking. Oh, really? I got to look at that. Yeah. Uh, delicious, fabulous things that we might not have e- eaten before with uh, really interesting combinations of spices and uh, things like plantains. And I, I, I don't know. I'm going there. I'll that's talk one, to you about it later. That's one reason I like Milk Street. It's really expanding my culinary yes. worldview. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Well, um, I don't have anything else to say except for happy holidays, Linda Perkins. And all I can think about is bedding ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you find the answer and you tell us next time we see you because seriously, (laughs) I don't know. That's not even poltergeist. That's just like, and that's way beyond short sheeting or anything. I know, I know. (laughs) I don't know, but on that that note, (laughs) um, happy holidays, Linda Perkins. Same to you. And everybody out there, happy holidays. Please stay safe. We live in a scary world. Stay safe. And stay tuned, would you?